welcome to a special edition of EMU Market Talk podcast. Today, we have Gareth Rapley, Group Director for Energy and Utilities. I'm Andrew Roscoe, the Editor for Energy and Utilities, and I'm delighted to welcome Rory McCarthy, the Chief Commercial Officer for Yellow Door Energy, for a special edition of EMU Market Talk. great after the year that we've had to have a bit of face-to-face interaction now. So many thanks for coming to join us. Great pleasure to be here, John. To start, if you could just tell us a bit about Yellow Door Energy, a bit about Yellow Door Energy's business model and the solar leasing markets, that'd be great. Sure. So Yellow Door Energy was founded in 2015 with a view to provide solar energy solutions into the commercial industrial markets. Our business model, Andrew, we design, we engineer, We examine a company's facilities to see if they're a feasible candidate for solar, and then we finance a solution for them, which will allow them to save money without actually investing capital and no expense incurred. So they'd only pay their first bill to us once we start generating energy and once we prove they're saving money. In addition to that, we also provide a guarantee for the kilowatt hours that we generate for them. Could you just tell us a little bit about the countries Yellow Door is active in? Currently, we're in the UAE, Jordan, Pakistan, and we're also making progress into the GCC as well. Rory, it's been an interesting year 2020. COVID-19 has obviously created a lot of impact and and interest around different businesses. Could you just give our listeners a bit of an update around what Yellow Door's been doing in 2020? We've seen recently the the project with Al Nabuda. If you could share a bit more insight into that as well. I think that would be um, great. I think people would be very interested to hear. So 2020 has been a challenging year for a lot of businesses. I think at Yellow Door, one of the key things that we looked at initially is we mapped our markets and we went very, very deep into understanding how we progress forward and how we can actually understand every available opportunity. We also look very carefully by industry as to what kind of targets we should be going after, bearing in mind, of course, that some industries have suffered far heavily than others it makes sense to actually go after the industries that you can really help and and really benefit. And really focusing on that is is about driving value and driving savings as companies come through and come out the back of a difficult time. And to the second part of your question, of course, the Nabuda platform was a great three megawatt project across the the state of the art facility, which we're very proud of and is operationally running very successfully. And we've touched upon just there, you know, the impacts COVID-19 has had. Would you be able to share a bit more details about the impacts that COVID-19's had on Yellow Door Energy and your operations? Absolutely. Like all companies, we've had to control costs, we've had to refreeze recruitment, and we've had to look at things very carefully. I would say that the renewable energy sector has certainly been hit like everyone has been, but I would say it's a little more COVID resistant than some other industries on the basis that people still have a very clear sustainability agenda. They still have that goal of looming 2050 to reduce carbon emissions to a net zero position. And businesses wanna save money. Now, previously, companies look at solar energy as an example, as the option of either investing themselves or having someone like Yellow Door Energy finance it for them. Certainly, the impact of COVID has meant CapEx is more off the table than on the table because there's been such a constraint on cash. So do you feel there's going to be opportunities in terms of your business models? You've mentioned, obviously, leasing and 
the way that can help around CapEx for businesses moving forward in the rooftop and distributed solar market? I think that it'll make a big difference to help businesses moving forward. If you are thinking you need to be as competitive as possible as you come out of COVID, and if you're in a situation where energy represents 10 to 15% of the costs, the overheads in your business, if you can halve that, that means every unit you produce out of your factory is so much more competitive, has a lower cost position, and you have a much better chance to rebuild your volume, rebuild your platform, and get your company back in a, a healthy position again. And that's really what we want to drive at Yellow Door Energy to help businesses come out of COVID the other side by driving their energy costs down and providing them ideas to do so. I think that's what we're seeing in terms of the, the global renewables revolution, as it's being called now. I know from covering the markets out here for the past 10 years, I remember a decade ago, there was the first sort of offshoots and talk about renewables. We had the first project in Abu Dhabi in 2013, but it wasn't really taking off then. But the difference now, it's the economics of it, isn't it? We saw in 2015, some large utility scale projects in the region setting world records for solar energy. And it's the costs now that just made it not just cost competitive, but cheaper than conventional sources of energy. As you've said, the only way for a company to reduce their energy costs by half is through implementing solar projects. So we'll see more of that moving forward. The only thing I'd like to ask about is a company's stalling on investment decisions. Even if they realize that the benefits of it, they might not have capital or budget available. Are you, you seeing that? So that's a very good question. And as I mentioned earlier, I think that companies are certainly moving forward and decisions are being made. Decisions are made a little more slowly at the moment because companies have to look at the runway ahead of them. So are they seeing a 10 or 15 year visibility or a 20 year visibility? Can I commit to a long-term solution? And also when we come in and we invest into a company and we invest into their facilities and build and engineer something for them, we're using our own capital to do so. So we need to also make sure a company is able to provide some security against that. And it's making sure that companies are ready to do that. There's definitely a, a long-term platform partnership. This isn't a simple cost decision that companies should make and they shouldn't treat it like that. It's more of a longer-term investment platform. And the partner that you select, I think, needs to be very carefully thought through. And turning now to the, the whole market, the UAE, for a minute, we saw this week the signing for a, a seven megawatt project at the Warner Brothers studio in Abu Dhabi. Great news for the UAE market. However, if you look at the UAE as a whole, Dubai by far has made the largest advance with rooftop solar. If you could just tell us a little bit about why Dubai has been so successful so far, a bit of the other approaches that are being implemented across the UAE and what you think is the best model moving forward. That's a good question. So I, I see that certainly the uh, move this week in the announcement by Mazda is a fantastic piece of news because it says very clearly with the size of that plant at seven megawatts as a project, it's a capital expenditure plant, so they're investing in it, that Abu Dhabi is open for business and solar renewable energy. So I think it's a very, very positive move from the Emirate to make that statement. And we see Abu Dhabi as a great market to move forward on and, and we're very excited to be working in that space. If I look at Dubai, Dubai has definitely led the way in terms of the Shams Initiative when it was introduced five years ago in 2015 and has sort of built quite a platform of solar already developed here. And of course, you know, the huge solar utility parks that have been put in place and the ones that are planned for the future also make that signal towards that renewable energy, towards that net carbon reduction, which I think 
I really commend the government for that initiative. I see the commercial and, and industrial space as also really making a big difference there. The thing is, when you invest in a power station from a fiscal point of view or a government point of view, it's not just the generation cost of that plant you've got to think about, which could be 100 million, 500 million. It's the transportation cost associated with that, which can be up to 75%, which is building infrastructure. Of course, you don't see many overland power lines through the city here because of the risk and because of the heat and the climate that we have. So there's a massive infrastructure cost and where commercial industrial solar can help or certainly provide some platform is actually keeping that cost down for governments and infrastructure and also stabilizing the grid. And you touched earlier upon, Rory, about the markets that you're involved in at the moment, like UAE, Jordan, Pakistan, you're moving into, and you've also touched upon the GCC market. What would be interesting to understand is, are there other markets you're exploring at the moment? And what are you seeing as challenges or barriers to enter new markets? Is it around competitiveness, you know, players in the market, subsidies, technology? What kind of things do you find as the the challenges and the the barriers into those new markets? It's all of the above that you've mentioned, but if I was to pick new countries, and we are looking at opportunities that could potentially present themselves in, in East Africa, we are looking at opportunities that could present themselves in due course in Asia. And we evaluate the countries around the area, but we look at things like the tariff. For me, the most important thing is regulation and government support. And for example, Yellow Door were very interested in Egypt last year. And of course, you may have seen the changes in regulation in Egypt, the commitment to reduce subsidies that got reversed. And those kind of changes, you want to be very clear when you enter a market that you have the support to actually bring it forward. And what actually prevents climate financing from really taking off, what prevents it from actually accelerating is really subsidies. As long as we subsidize the real cost of energy and the real cost of water, there will be a barrier for climate financing to really be successful. And we want to work together with governments and with organizations throughout the region to help bring that forward, which will make obviously, you know, better for business, better for our environment, better for our children and our future. So regulation and subsidy reform is key if rooftop solar programs are really going to flourish in the region. I'd also like to ask a bit more about financing. So obviously the model that Yellow Door uses, the, the solar leasing model, that reduces the capex pressure or removes that from companies looking for solar. In the region, we've seen large-scale utility projects still moving ahead this year, well record tariffs. They've got the model in place, the IPP model, and we're seeing banks are still supporting that. I'm just wondering about financing for the projects that you're implementing, rooftop um, and distributed solar projects. Is there still adequate liquidity for that? Is there more of a challenge for financing? Now, how do you see that market going into 2021? I mean, if we look at every project that Yellow Door invests into, we put our own equity into. So we put our own equity into everything that we have. So we have over 110 megawatts across the region. And we're proud to put our own money into that. And obviously that's funded by our shareholders, which are Mitsui, Equinor, IFC, for example, and others. What we also do require an element of debt financing because what we do requires an element of project financing. So yes, the banks are interested in moving forward and looking at that financing option on what we do in our solution because it provides a very strong cash annuity over a long period of time. We've seen the cost 
of solar dropping significantly over the past decade. I think the number that we see is 80% drop in the cost of installing a PV solar system globally. When will this drop stop? The cost keeps falling. I remember 2015 when it went below six cents a kilowatt hour, people said that's not sustainable. Now the market this year, we're seeing it below two. I mean, is there still room for the technology cost to drop? I certainly hope so. I want to see the last coal station shut down, hopefully in my lifetime, if it's possible. What we're seeing, of course, is the efficiency of panels change. If I look even in the last two years, if you see we were talking 300 watt panels, now we're talking 500 as a minimum moving forward. So you're seeing a big drive in the yield that you can actually get from a solar panel. And that's what's really driving that efficiency gain down. As long as that keeps happening, solar will continue to grow as an opportunity to generate energy effectively, cleanly. In addition to the move towards energy diversification in the region, the water market in the region, water security, is a key aim for utilities. And having access to water for industrial purposes is key for companies in the region. Do you expect to see the energy water nexus becoming more important in the next few years? I think that's a very strategic discussion and it's going to bring about quite an element of change. I see that part of climate financing will certainly involve energy and it can't involve energy without involving water. And if you look at how much water it takes to produce a bottle of Coca-Cola or a block of cheese, for example, if you're in the textile business, how much water is actually poured down the drain when you dye garments, how much of that can actually be treated as grey water and reused again and recycled and the TDS value is reduced and there's a huge opportunity to take cubic metres of water and reuse that in the manufacturing chain and isolate bottlenecks in the system and be able to do that. And I think that is a big opportunity to move forward. And that's just not going to impact on a business's cost. I think we're seeing in the world today, there's lots of reports and rumours that water's going to run out. You know, I think there's been articles in the last few years saying we could run out of water by 2040. So I guess this is about also preserving the next generations of life and their access to a valuable commodity. So I guess this is also a key part that you're helping to play as a business into that transition around not just clean energy, but also about our day-to-day lives, access to resource. So if you look at the Middle East, that's a very good question. If you look at the Middle East consumption per head, the consumption of water is around about 500 litres per person. If you look at, say, the UK, for example, or Western Europe, it's between 150 and 200 litres. So we do have to look very carefully at what we do. That's residential consumption. Now, if you look at factories, if you look at a textile company, we were talking to a textile company in Egypt where we were looking at a, a solar plant last year, and they were very interested in, in saving, you know, sort of 10, 15, 20% on energy bills, but they turned around and said to us, hey, look, we're tipping down, you know, sort of 30,000 cubic meters a month, which is an incredible amount of water, and we need to be able to reuse it. Can we look at some kind of a solution to be able to get around that? And absolutely you can. If you look at the Matitos of this world and General Electrics of this world, they've been doing this for a long period of time. And I believe that there's a space for us to be able to look at something like that and provide that kind of solution that you're questioning about to customers in the future. And Yellow Door are very excited, not just looking at that, but also looking at energy storage, looking at hybrid devices as well. So combining in areas where power is a problem and a grid is a problem, combining a utility system um, that generates 
from a diesel generator and also a solar system, and then perhaps complements it with a treatment plant. It's interesting, one of the things you mentioned there, Rory, is around energy storage. And this is one of the parts, you know, solar energy has made massive leaps forward over the last few years. I think the growth last year was something like 31% growth in renewable energy. And it's long been felt that to really achieve 100% renewable energy, energy storage needs to continue to drive forward. There needs to be more done in energy storage. Is that something you're finding as a business? And is there companies you're working with or or engaging with around not just on the projects you're doing for solar, but how that then feeds into energy storage and then feeds into those markets. So energy storage is quite an exciting part of our future of our business, and I believe the renewable energy business. And I see that if I look at batteries can provide, for example, stability in terms of if you have a cap for example, as you do in the region in, in some countries where you're only allowed so many megawatts, they can actually work as a handbrake. They can actually work where you've got a staggered charging system. And, you know, of course, say, for example, you can only generate solar energy during the day. And usually during the day, electricity can be less expensive in certain countries. And then they have a peak tariff charging system that often falls between, say, 6 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. at night if you're able to charge your battery at that time on a lower tariff and then discharge it at the evening so you're not using energy from the grid, that can be beneficial to organisations, especially in situations where they're running double or triple shifts. Energy storage will be the game changer in the energy transition. Just like to go back to something that's been touched on regarding solar and water, it's about awareness. So some of the projects we're seeing in Dubai, some of the ones Yellow Door have worked on, announcement in Abu Dhabi last week. These are big global brands or big regional companies and they've set out very clear carbon targets and reducing carbon and being more efficient. In the region, there's a lot of family businesses as well. I'm just wondering, raising awareness of the benefits of solar energy, exactly how much this cost saving can be for family businesses or even for residential users, or do you think it's simply just the regulatory ways, the regulation is the key way to sort of encourage people, reducing subsidies, increasing the, the tariffs available. So I think there's building on what you're saying here, yeah, there is reducing subsidies, there is making sure that, you know, net metering is in place. That's obviously a big opportunity where companies know that they can actually have the flexibility of using the grid in effect as a battery. That's a big part of net metering. And some countries have net metering, some countries don't. So for example, a lot of countries have the legislation ready, like Saudi Arabia, like Pakistan, but it hasn't been passed yet. So at the moment, any project we do in those countries, we do on a self-consumption basis. It's even more relevant locally here in Abu Dhabi, we can only do business on a self-consumption basis. So for example, what I mean by that, if it's self-consumption, you can't produce any more than is being consumed. Any excess can't be used. Whereas if you have excess power generated using net metering, that can actually go into the grid and depending on the facility, the utility can provide you a credit. How does that educational piece work though for people that aren't businesses as a residential home user? Because I guess we're looking at what's the cheapest way to manage our energy bills. But even before that, you know, as a father of two children, how do I engage my children? Is there work that you're doing as Yellowdoor that we can be engaging that youth of tomorrow to say, this is the sustainable way of living and this is why you need to be using things like solar panels in your home as new projects get built etc is that something that you're seeing and is there 
still so much more work to be done to create that journey from not just in businesses where they can see that capital expenditure, but it's a bit harder in your day-to-day living situation. I think that it definitely starts with thought leadership and it's something that Yellow Door is very proud of in terms of the events that we attend, how we try and be a proactive force and that educational aspect. I think definitely schools, definitely a big leading platform to basically make that point clear. Listen, you know, we do need oil in our lives. We do need it, but we don't necessarily need oil to generate power. And I think that that's a message that we can get forward to our children and our grandchildren. I think that's very, very positive. Also, conservation of water, you know, responsibly disposing of our waste. These kind of educational messages are very, very important. And if we get it across en masse, we've got a far better chance at a more positive environment for ourselves. I certainly believe so. I think it is one of those that there's been a lot happened and a lot of different things in the last few years of that. I think we're all responsible in this. And this is the way that we can make that change, as you highlighted earlier on, Rory, about hopefully in your lifetime and and our lifetimes, moving away from like coal powered power plants and really having an ecosystem that is 100% renewable energy and being much more aware around the waste that we consume and how we can redistribute that. So it'll be an exciting journey to go through. I'd like to thank Rory McCarthy, Chief Commercial Officer from Yellow Door Energy for joining us today. It's been great to have you with us discussing these important themes. The economic rationale for implementing solar energy schemes is clear. We're seeing that the finance is available. Banks are willing to support the energy transition. As we've discussed today, government policy with bank support is critical but also raising awareness within the business community and the residential community on the benefits of solar energy will ensure that the energy transition has the best possible chance of succeeding. So I'd like to thank you for joining us today, Rory, and we look forward to watching Yellow Door Energy in 2021 and beyond. Great pleasure to be here, John. Thank you very much, Rory, and thank you very much for tuning in, everyone.